We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody. It is your game day preview. It is myself, Jake Burns, OBR Film Breakdown, All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. Both of us here, as you're at least at this point, if you've been a longtime listener, accustomed to these crossovers. Brad, we get together for, I don't know, man, this is going on like 30 of these episodes we've probably done done together now. It's uh, in the midst of a, a Saturday where Ohio State loses to Michigan once again. Mm. Uh, I, I think that people don't show up for that opinion here but uh, i you know i think we we both at least lean the direction of ohio state so yeah it it feels like a crossroad moment for the program in columbus here uh, to you're either sticking with ryan day in perpetuity or you're you're going to make a big change and you know, i thought today was sort of indicative of where ohio state is they couldn't make the toughness things happen at the end to win the game and their quarterback who is you know, I think Kyle is certainly not an unplayable player. I mean, he can play. It's just he's not the level that they've had there over the last decade or two of athlete, of, of thrower, and you see where that kind of catches up with you. So they're in a weird spot in Ohio State. What do, what do you think they're going to do, man? I would hope that they would. It, it's not that I'm like a Ryan Day fan or anything. It's just he hasn't lost any game. I understand the impact of losing Michigan, but – he hasn't lost any games outside of Michigan or the playoff. So to lose your job without doing that is pretty rough, man. I mean, like, because the guys before him would lose, you know, I think uh, every, you know, they lose one to Purdue every once in now and then or, you know, get upset by Indiana or, so, you know what I mean, like one game a year. Yeah, even Trestle. Yeah. Trestle had those. Obviously, the the year with with Fickle was, was rough where they were in such a weird spot with the quarterback situation, right? And then, you know, you're talking about another year or ticket when Cooper was fired, they were hovering around five hundred, seven and five. Yeah. I think is what those two years were. So yeah, but it's a different time, different era of the program, and it seems like people are, you know, Ohio State expectations are certainly steep. I mean, you're watching Alabama and Nick Saban should have had their second loss two years oh in a row. I mean this that that unbelievable outcome against Auburn sort of saves what could have been two straight years of two losses. Yeah. And they, they could still have their second loss. But I I, I get I get the uh, frustration from people, but I always kind of warn about the Phil Fulmer stuff, man, yep. where, you know, you can you can be bad, right? You know, you can feel like you're bad, but things can always get worse if you mistake a hire. And I think you're always kind of worried about that here a little bit. Yeah, I think I would I think I would give him one year in the new format. And see how it goes. Yeah, that's probably where they're going. I don't think they're going to go anything sudden here. Yeah. I don't think there's a. I also don't know who. Like, are you calling Dan Landing at Oregon? Like, who are you? Yeah. Who are you hiring? I don't think there's some slam dunk hire. People are talking about Vrabel as if Vrabel is like some lock to leave the NFL, and it's like if you could I don't get really yeah, get if that you vibe. could get Vrabel, I don't think he's going to be available. If you could get him, I would say go for it, right? But I don't think he's leaving. I I really don't think he's leaving either. That's not the hunch I get at least. So, yeah. 
Yeah, good luck on that, man. I don't know what direction it goes. It's it's a tough spot. I mean, Harbaugh started, what, like 0 for 5 Ohio State? The difference between Harbaugh and Ryan Day, though, being that Harbaugh had taken programs like Stanford and yes. some others to, to really high levels. You know, obviously went to the Super Bowl. He'd had a background, a pedigree of winning, and it was a matter of time, and they figured it out. Whereas in this situation, Ryan Day was hired for his first head coaching job with Ohio State, so it's a little tricky. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a big decision in Columbus, but losing this game year over year, three straight, Get spicy. Let's switch to the NFL, though, Brad. We get the the Browns and the Broncos. Some of you who are longtime Browns fans, this is a more meaningful game to you than some of the newer Browns fans. There is not that, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess just straight 1980s yeah. cognizance of what's gone on, the, the way the Broncos ripped the Browns' heart out in two straight seasons. So, again, like I, I told my my parents on the phone, like this one means more to you guys than me. The Browns have been um, – you know, okay against the Broncos recently. And the Broncos are, I think, riding like a six-season under 500 streak. So they're not quite the yeah. franchise they were when they won the Super Bowl. What is it now? Six, uh, sorry, seven, eight years ago now. So I think they won the Super Bowl, had a nine and seven season, and then they've had an under 500 run for a little bit here. They're they're back to five and five, though. So this is a very meaningful game for both sides Very on a 4.05 kick. So this is the second four o'clock kick the Browns have had. They had the same slot out in Seattle. They'll have the same slot with LA. Yep. Um, so get used to this a little bit, but it is supposed to be for a late November Denver game. Not bad weather wise, right, Brad? Yeah. So, uh, originally people were talking about weather being a factor here, but by all accounts, I can't find anything that says any rain is expected. It looks like sunny, a high of 37. So late November, in Denver, uh, looks like it'll be a, a pretty, you know, tolerable, at least cold-wise, and a nice day. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously the altitude will play a factor for the Browns. Um, a little surprised they didn't go out there a little earlier. Yeah, I would say I would say the same on that. I guess maybe they're holding off because they're staying yes. out there um, in between. I just worry about that. Uh, on, the le- on the left coast. Acclimation. But, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. It, We'll, we'll see how they handle the quick turnaround there on elevation because it is something you have to get used to. Broadcast crew is uh, is Fox, right? I believe not not a CBS AFC crew, so we, we're off that train, right? Yeah, we're we're on to Fox uh, four hundred five, as you said. It's uh, Kevin Kugler, who I'm not real familiar with. Uh, Mark Sanchez, and then Laura Oakman, who's done a couple Super Bowls, I believe, for them. So uh, on the sideline. She's kind of a big deal, I guess. But either way, you get uh, Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez on this uh, call, which is different and hopefully better than the last Fox crew we got. Yeah, the the Vilma yeah. crew was so awful, um, but a good good recognition of a of a win in that moment. So, yeah, we'll see if Fox can come through again. Hopefully, it works out. Good vibes all the way around. We'll see if they can take care of it. The, the Browns Broncos all time. Do you have that in front of you? I think it's. I do. Which way, which way is that one tilted? It's twenty-one to seven Denver. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to say that without knowing for sure, but yeah. So, um, recent wise though, it's a little better. I think Cleveland won the last two of three. Yeah, and uh, they won the the last one was Thursday night football. Uh, October 2021, 17-14 in Cleveland, if you recall. And uh, so that would have been... I think it was Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. In a very weird game. And um, uh, could have similar vibes on the scoreboard to this one. But yeah, that is who it uh, who it was, if I recall correctly. Big Dearness Johnson game, if I recall. It did. Public stage. Got a shout-out from LeBron. Yep. Uh, big moment for him. You know, he's playing a little bit more in down in Jacksonville, but yeah, that is that is a Dearness Jackson game. So right on. All right, officiating crew for this one. We get Adrian Hill. Not a well known name, but one you will recognize. I think you said he did the last Browns Broncos game, right, Brad? He did, strangely enough. That's the second time that's happened to us this year where a guy uh who, you know I don't know these guys by name. We have to you know, like you always say, you recognize them by picture. <laughs> uh but I do. Um yeah, a second time, in, you know, in doing this research that, you know, Browns are playing like an NFC team or a team that is not regularly on their schedule, 
and that referee did the last time they met probably a couple years ago. So strangely enough, he did that Thursday night game. So um, here's what we got on Mr. Hill. So a little bit of a write-up here from Sharp this week on this game and Hill. So uh, pointing out some not great uh, trends for us here. So uh, there's no definitive edge here based on Hill's uh, career numbers. However, in the past two months, the home team is 6-1. and one. So 6-1 and one in the last seven. So that's not great. Uh, but not a lot, not a, you know, if you zoom out, of course, Jake, there's nothing really there, but still, uh, a trend, uh, a little bit there. Um, that the concern here that is brought up is that, uh, the Browns, um, home and away splits on holding offensive holding calls are from, uh, excellent to very poor on the road and that uh, Adrian Hill will get you for the the uh, holding offensive holding call. So the Browns banged up offensive line and everything going on there. Something to keep an eye on here as they've been much better at home in that category. Interestingly enough, um, very interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, anytime holding calls get put into place, man. Yeah, those are so dicey because of. You know they they they're like they're like a sack. I mean, no, I know you don't lose the down, but they're every bit like a sack. So you know you don't like hearing that, especially. Uh, the other ones here are is that Hill is above NFL average in defensive pass interference, defensive holding, and illegal contact calls, which is not great to hear, considering uh, the Browns uh, have been dinged for that a number of times in critical spots. You know, um, so. Hopefully that doesn't turn anything bad. And then they do note here that there is a uh, trajectory uh, matching, you know, the Broncos penalty average uh, has coincided with their winning streak. So with the winning, their penalties have gone way down. So uh, versus the first four weeks of the season, uh, there's been a significant drop off uh, over the last six weeks. Of course, they've won four in a row, Jake, for the first time since 2015-16 season. Denver. And they and they beat some some teams that matter, you know, Packers, Vikings, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, you and, know, uh, Bills. Yeah, they've they've beat some teams that matter. But you're right; it's very formulaic how they've done it. We'll talk about it after the break a little bit. But um, you know, they have they have followed a very specific path. Let, let's talk about real quick before we go to uh to break and, and and come back and talk about how the browns have to get it done the parlay i know we were close last week oh we are so we close. are heartbreaking a couple times but i think there's some some really really good ones this week that are setting up with some specific players go ahead yeah so let's hit the overall betting first this numbers kind of danced around on the denver side and i've listened to a couple uh you know touts uh surprised that this number is on the denver side but it was two two and a half most of the week it's one and a half uh, as we sit here now um so denver one and a half uh point favorite 37 over under it's gone up a little too on the over under probably with the weather change maybe i'm guessing um mm. But yeah, plus one on the money line, plus one hundred five to Cleveland, uh, minus one twenty five to Denver. So a slight edge, you know, one and a half is kind of what we considered the the new uh, home away, right? When we talked about that. Now the home yep. away here is maybe a little bit bigger than in other situations. All right, so there's a lot of belief in the Broncos. Maybe it's yeah. tied to Ward. Maybe it's tied to secondary injuries. We'll see if the Browns are able to come in. I think overcoming that is a, a notch in the belt of a team looking to be historic defensively. Absolutely. You know, we've talked about, you know, the way in which they're trying to go about this thing. So I do, I don't mind Brad them being an underdog here because hopefully no. that can get the vibe for them where it needs to be to, to be really successful. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. I, I don't mind it either. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that they will come in with. Uh, this is a we. This is pivotal. I mean, everything becomes pivotal for the Browns. This this uh, this road trip, all of it at this point is uh, really. You know, I keep saying it, but they really have to take it week by week and and adjust as we go here to try to see what kind of 
ceiling can be achieved here, Jake. So, um, but yeah, it seems like they're doing that. Uh, here, you ready? Let's do this parlay. So, just to lead you, kind of where we're going with the parlay this week. Uh, Broncos are the worst team in the league against tight ends. They're giving up 72.2 per game, 6.3 receptions per game. They've given up five plus receptions in eight straight games. Uh, in DTR's first start, he had seven targets to Njoku, six caught. In his second start, he had 15 targets to Njoku, seven caught. You can see where I'm going here. Uh, mm-hmm. seems like a safety blanket. So we're going to go straight to Njoku for the first two legs of this thing. Over 42 and a half receiving yards, over four and a half receptions. So that's one and two of your parlay this week. You like that, Jake? I love it. I love it. There's a comfort here of getting the football out quick, tying that to David. I don't see it stopping. I do think Denver is going to be very aware of it. Yeah. But they can still be creative with how they use him to give him chances to catch the football still. So I think if you're if you're trying to map this all out, it makes plenty of sense to still think David will be a huge part of what they do this week. Yep, and uh, they've certainly had their troubles even up to last week with the tight end. So, uh, as Hawkinson had the day, good day against them uh, last Sunday yep. night. So, uh, third leg, we're going to go. This number feels. I mean, with these totals, Jake, every week with these totals in the thirties, all these numbers are so watered down sometimes, and it's just about picking the one that. I guess you feel best about. I think two and a half receptions to Elijah Moore seems insane with the usage he's been getting. So I think that's where we go here. Over two and a half catches. So just three catches for Elijah Moore gets that done. Um, Brown's, Brown's got to run, run the ball in this one. And so I think Jerome Ford, I watered down his number a little bit here to 40 yards. So I feel like that's pretty much easy easy peasy there over 40 yards Mm -hmm. rushing jerome ford feel like he should get it and uh to cap things off here on this one they have brought back our uh d hop field goals uh in same game parlay so yes they knew we needed a break they brought it for us yes they did so we appreciate that yes please on the over uh one and a half uh d hop field goals that gets you to uh plus 1100 uh, there's a step up bonus that'll get you to about plus fifteen forty, so ten dollars wins you uh, one hundred and sixty four, one hundred and fifty four pro- profit there on the uh, the official uh, game day preview parlay. There you have it. Love it, I love it. Great stuff. Take advantage of that. Put some money in your pocket. We feel good about it. You're not risking that much. Even if you don't win, it's you know it's pizza money, like we say. You don't have to throw away too much money here. To- yeah. Yeah. to try to make some money on, on some things that have been hitting for us most often. So right on, do it up, take advantage. All right, we're going to take a break. We're from our sponsors, and then we will be right back to wrap this thing up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brad, I don't think we need to go too deep into this. Like, no. I, I really don't think the formula is difficult. I'll let you hit lead off. You tell me everything you think the Browns need to do to win this football game, and then I will I will come in with, with anything I think you maybe don't get to because I, I really see this as pretty simple. Go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, this is kind of like the um, the meme, the Spider-Man meme a little bit with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other a little bit. Uh, so their path to winning is very similar uh, it's uh, very similar to last week with the Steelers game. Uh, the Denver wants to, they are uh, fifth in takeaways. Uh, they have been relying on time of possession, complimentary football, uh, run game, some changes on defense. Uh, and uh, their defense is actually much better than advertised coming in. So I think, you know, listen, I think the Browns can run the ball against them. They have to. They better be able to, right? So I think they will uh, have no problem uh, turning around and handing it off a good deal uh, and playing into this kind of a game um, where can you be more physical, can you run the ball more, can you get some easy throws for DTR, um, and uh, off of that relying on your defense to win you this game really, right? Like I, I just feel like that's the, the, the game script here because the Browns have the better defense and – I don't think there's a big edge on the other side. I think the thing you need to guard against is probably their wide receivers are pretty talented and athletic, as we saw at the end of the Sunday night game where uh, Cortland Sutton goes up and mosses a guy in the end zone. Pretty amazing play to pull out the victory. And you're going to have Mike Ford out there instead of Denzel Ward, uh, you know, in the nickel probably or out, out there guarding one of these guys sometimes. So, uh, but I think Schwartz will have things schemed up and ready to go, and I think you want to play into this time possession complimentary football game and just be better at it. I think the Browns can be better at playing this style of game and finding a way to win late, uh, and like they were last week. That's the Steelers. Uh, that's their script, right? But the Browns beat them at their own game last week. I think it's very much the same thing this week. you got to be able to run the ball. And you got to be good on defense. Uh, play complimentary football. Don't be afraid to punt it. And uh, take your opportunities when they're there. That's right, man. No chunk plays. No explosives. You create an explosive or two somehow, some way, right? Halfback pass, something funky. They could use a trick play that works. Yeah. I uh, could use a screen game uptick. To your point, Brad, they cannot have another week repeated where they can't run the rock and they're just forcing DTR to throw 44 times. Can't do it. Can't. That is a horrible formula for them. So running the ball and kind of, you know, manifesting your game plan off of being able to do that a little bit, and especially gun run, light boxes, Denver struggles. Watch the Bills game. Bills do not have some great offensive line. We all know the Bills are were broken during that game at times and were able to run the ball really well between the tackles. If there's a spot Denver is weak, and I talked to, you know, a Broncos guest about this. Yeah. Um, they, they don't have great depth uh, in, their, in, their, in their front play. So they struggle 
to to stop the run. They've been better, put themselves in better situations, but they struggle to stop it. So the Browns have to be better at that this week and kind of manipulate their game plan off of being able to do that to give themselves more opportunities to sit in the pocket and throw it, play action, whatever, whatever. However, you get that time in the pocket to let some downfield stuff develop. They were very afraid of doing that last week. You cannot be afraid of doing that this week. You just can't. You have to throw it downfield a little bit. Yeah. But you also have to be very calculated because, to your point, Brad, and what everybody's talking about here, the reason Denver's winning ballgames are taking the football away. Five times from the Chiefs, three times from the Bills. This is the formula for them, right? Multiple times, early Josh Dobbs fumble against the Vikings, leading to points, like meaningful takeaways, leading to points. And they're not winning these games in blowout fashion. I mean, the Chiefs no. they did because they they received five turnovers. And again, I'm, the Chiefs offenses, as we've seen on national TV, people want to believe the Chiefs are the offense they've had in years past. It's not. They're not. It's a very fractured group right now. So uh, most people have been able to run it on them. The only team that hasn't is the Chiefs because I think the Chiefs are still trying to figure out fix damaged parts of their offense in the passing game because they know how they have to get that figured out before the playoffs. So if most teams are able to run it on them and run it really well, you have to be able to do the same thing. Take care of the ball, run it well, hit some timely throws, and do what you do on defense. Continue to show up in the big moments, restrict life on Russell Wilson, get after him, make his life an absolute headache. You're beat up in the secondary, so get after him with the, the front group to make the secondary, their burden a little less worrisome, yeah, right? absolutely. And I think that's the formula here, you know, play uh, opportunistic football. But but I think above all else, man, it, it, I keep looking at how Denver's winning. Josh Allen puts a ball on the ground on a handoff. Yep. You know, Josh Allen throws into a corner in a, in, a, in a late half moment that gives Denver three more points that ultimately wins them the game. And you got to you got to keep Cortland Sutton from making hero plays, which is which has been a large part of their offensive success is exactly that. And. Russell Wilson in a very low A dot average distance of target, hitting a lot of check down running backs. So, you know, you, you want to drop coverage often, but you have to have eyes on late release running backs and tight ends where they try to chip away at you. The, the, the Broncos are a pretty good first down team. And if you can, can, can make their first down life chaotic, then making those, and again, this is the Browns formula too, right? Yep. Browns want to be good on first down to make their second and third downs easier. Uh, teams like the Browns and Denver don't have a great downfield passing game. This is what you have to do. So I think that what, for, for who wins this game, Brad, watch first downs, both sides of the ball. Yeah. Who's winning first down? Who's winning early downs to create easier third downs? That's the secret. So, again, you, you made a great point, though. This is the formula the Browns have been using. They're comfortable in this world. This yep. is who they are. The Broncos are kind of, but they've relied on takeaways, which you cannot always predict takeaways are going to happen. So... The, the the point here is, and again, you stated it very well, two teams playing a similar brand of ball who are just going to be a movable force and um, all of that stuff, ramming into each other. Can they, can they, which which team's going to yield, right? Which team's going to yield? So I trust the Browns' defense more than I trust the Denver defense. Yeah. And I think that that ultimately is why I lean Browns and pick them this week, that I trust that defense, even without Denzel. Um, and we'll see what the game day inactives look like, but I, I just I feel more confident in their ability to be who they have been. And I think if Denver isn't able to steal the football away from people, and the Browns are able to kick field goals, right? You know, kick three, four field goals and score a touchdown. It's enough to win. It's enough to win. Yep. So the hope here is that they put themselves in those positions. They take care of the football and they run it and control. What's the what's the biggest formula for the Browns? Twenty more plays on offense. Yep, it's about what they've been doing in about seven to ten minutes more of possession. So if you see that in the – you're getting in the fourth quarter and you're like, oh, man, Browns are 60 plays to 40 plays. This is the formula. That's, right that's the world they, they live be. in. So yep. that's right where they want to be. So let's hope they can put that game plan together and make it roll, man. Yeah, to your point, Sutton, eight touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, he will – you know, he's a threat. You got you can't let him get down. And they how they got down there in the Sunday night game was literally, to your point, check down after check down to Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, yep. So – you just, you know, I don't see the Browns uh, getting exploited that way. So um, I, I think this is a – I'm hoping that, you know, maybe some scripted stuff really gets the Browns out in front and they can play from in front, and that would be a big deal for this game too. Very much agree. So let's hope they, they attack that formula. They they do some of the things they did last week with taking care of the football. Hopefully the Browns can get a turnover or two on defense because they did not find a turnover last week and reap the benefits of that. But, yeah, this is like I said – this is a brand of ball that they're comfortable playing. They've been in these games. This is the 
the week by week prep, they've lived this risk. This will feel no different to them than any other week that they have put together. Now, some other teams, it might be a little fancier on offense. There's other formulas, I think, throughout the rest of the schedule we'll talk about that could give them trouble. But this is a way in which they should be comfortable playing, and I expect them to be, if they're able to navigate the altitude and the crowd and all of that, this is DTR's first road game. you got to remember that. So he's going to have to deal with the silent count and all that comes with it. Yep. And it can get raucous up in Denver. It can be very loud. Absolutely. So we will see how he navigates that. They did not elevate Joe Flacco, so it's it's certainly – it is DTR and it is it is PJ Walker for this one. So we'll see how they're able to navigate. It's a big moment. It's a big test. Let's see how they rise up to it. I'm fascinated with it, Brad. Me too. But uh, it didn't look for a long time like this was going to be a really good game, and it's turned into what uh, is a very, uh, you know, attractive game for uh, NFL fans. Okay, good stuff from Brad. We are going to shift over now to our preview of the Broncos. We have a great guest, I think. The point of these is gonna is gonna shift. I'm 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 giving too much time and attention to specific teams in the granular sense where I don't think you guys love that so much. Open to feedback if you guys want to leave some feedback, but these behind enemy lines are gonna be built around three key questions moving forward to give you an idea of who the team is, the main players that are important and the story of where they are in their season and how they got there. That's going to be more the point instead of depth chart discussions and things like that. So let's get over to that interview right now and learn pretty much everything we can ahead of this Browns-Broncos game about who the Broncos are and how they got to 5-5. Five and five. We're going to go to that right now. Okay, so when I start thinking about Broncos, tying it into the perspective of what this show tries to do, film analysis, scheme talk, at Robbie underscore NFL is who I would think of, covers the Broncos, does a great job. Robbie, welcome into the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Let's dive in right away here. So, you know, it's not a secret the Broncos start out slow. I'm talking like trade deadline, fire sale buzz. They've ripped off, what, four in a row here? So one and five start, four in a row. Paint the picture for Browns fans listening on how that happens. Like, what is the key ingredients around this team coming together to win four in a row? And really change the perspective of their season, man. Now, right. You are completely right to start off by saying that this is a team that was one and four selling at the deadline. All these things were going completely wrong. Just everything was working as possibly as worse as you can possibly imagine. And then they turn it around for four straight. And for me, I think it's a pretty simple answer. But when we're talking about football, it can get pretty complex, but it's just coaching, man. Like, this is a team where we've retained a lot of players throughout the eight-year losing streak that we've had. And for eight years, all those guys have experienced is just losing football, a losing culture, losing staffs. And this isn't a knock on any of those guys because it's incredibly hard to win in the NFL. But when you bring in a guy like Sean Payton, who has all all that experience in the past, who's keys in on the details that really win and lose football games in the fourth quarter, it's impossible to overstate the impact of coaching and for me I think it all just comes down to coaching okay so let's talk about that coaching it seems like the season starts a little bit slow as we've said what adjustments have they made Robbie what have they done differently that you think has brought them to this point I mean like like, again for Browns fans who aren't enlightened they lose the first three they get 70 hung on them in Denver right uh sorry in Miami it's 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 a tough scene it's a tough game they're in a they're in a rough spot. They come back beat Chicago, but then lose to the Jets and Chiefs. You're sitting one and five. So the question is, you know, is it just staying the course? Like, what is it? What is it that brings them to this level of competence where they rip? Because again, the four games they've won in a row here against the Packers, Chiefs, Bills, and Vikings, those are not teams that are I would put in the bad category. So you you tell me like. What coaching changes did they make to rattle off four in a row? When the trade was made for Sean Payton, everybody immediately, their minds went to his offense and Russell Wilson, as it should, because Sean Payton has been an incredible offensive mind his entire career in the NFL, and especially as a head coach in New Orleans. But what has really pulled the Broncos through this winning streak has been the turnaround that Vance Joseph has been able to create for this team. It is so big for him to be able to start coming into his own because in that first half of the season he was genuine and even if you look at the metrics now he was so bad in the beginning of the year that 
it is completely tanking the metrics because in the past five or so weeks, that defense has been top 10. But if you look at it throughout the overall season, they're still like bottom five. That's how bad it was in the beginning of the year. And it was that bad because, in my, in my opinion, he was given an impossible job. Sean Payton, that year he sat out last season. He wasn't coaching. He was watching everything that everybody else was doing. And he wanted a Fangio guy. He wanted to live in that too high gap and a half world. And he was adamant on it. He tried to go out and get Fangio himself, but we all know he ended up going to Miami. He tried to get Sean Desai, but he really wanted somebody who had head coaching experience. So he landed on Vance Joseph. And to start the season, he looked like a guy who did not know what he was trying to coach. Like to, the positions he was putting his guys in were just nobody could win in those positions because he's a guy that isn't coming from this too high structure, taking a job, running a defense that he's never ran in his career. So early in the season, this defense looks completely like nobody knows what they're doing. Even, for example, they were terrible against the run because he didn't know what to put those defenses in to get those advantageous looks. Like there were times early downs where he was coming out in two man situations and he would come out and he would call two high man and they would just be completely out leveraged from the snap against any team they were playing against any run look they were playing against. It didn't matter. He just looked like a guy who didn't know the facets of that defense. And now, you know, it's a funny thing to think about because we always think about players having to develop into the coaching scheme. But it's really Vance Joseph who had this with more reps and with more practices and live games. He came into his own in this Fangio type of defense, and he's sort of merging his own philosophy within it. You know, he's starting to get back more to his roots, which is bringing a little bit more pressure than the Fangio world. And he's living in a lot more Tampa, too, than a lot of the Fangio guys. But he also has those, you know, quarter, quarter, half, half, quarter, quarter elements of it. And it's just somebody who it's amazing to see because you are watching the coaching development of a guy who has entire career not coached this style of defense. He gets hired to coach this style of defense. He's not great at it, but as the season goes on, he starts to understand every level of it. So he knows, okay, if this goes wrong, I know what to fix in this specific area. And early on in the season, he did not know how to do that. And again, it's just amazing to see because it's just, it's so important to this team while the offense gets into these slow starts and all these other things. It's just such a big thing for this team. So talk me through a little bit of, of why you think from a granular detail perspective, like, Okay, so they give up 234 to the Jets on the ground. The Chiefs, they hold in check twice, 96 and 62, but 137 to the Packers, 192 the Bills, 175. But it's the turnover number that's standing out. So you think they're stopping the run better than they have? And is it the turnover stuff that's creating opportunities to be on the right side of the scoreboard here? Because surface level, you look at it and you're like, well, are they stopping the run? But you're saying they're doing much better with that. So, So kind of enlighten me on, where you stand around their their overall production with that stuff. So it's definitely the turnover numbers. Uh, early on in the season, it just looked like guys didn't know where they were. And when you don't know exactly what you are doing, you're not allowed to play free. And as Joseph has gone on in the season and start to know where guys should be and what works with what doesn't, guys are being able to just sit back, know where their teammates are on the field, and know when they can drive on a ball or know when they can sit back on one. That's really the key difference here. And as far as the run, he is putting these guys structurally in a better place than they were in the beginning of the season. But the run defense is still a huge issue with this defense overall because they just don't have the defensive line depth. Like they've got Mike Purcell, who has been a stud for years. They've got DJ Jones. But apart from that, depth-wise, they don't really have anyone else. So you're not going to see a complete stout unit just because the talent isn't there, not necessarily the talent, but the depth isn't there, but he's putting guys in situations where they can win. He's not coming out and putting them in situations where they're destined to lose just straight off pre-snap leverage. Perfect. That makes total sense. We'll see how the Browns are able to, 
to run it because as you know if they're going to make dorian thompson robinson successful in a road environment like this they have to be able to run it man they have not really had two great weeks of running the football so uh, i think as we as we tune in early on paying attention to that will be pretty indicative of how the game is going to go because if you make the browns single faceted there's a chance you can keep them again pittsburgh held them to 13 you can keep them around that number and I think that's what Denver's obviously hoping for. So I'm, I'm sure there's a heavy emphasis on how they stop the run, creating things to put, you know, DTR up against that secondary. So closing defense real quick, like names Browns fans should know. Sertan, Justin Simmons, right, are the big names in the secondary. But who else is playing well that, that Browns fans should be prepared for having a huge role? Uh, the immediate name that comes to mind is Zach Allen. I mean, when the move initially was made in the offseason, I was – a little bit down on it because I was so high on Draymond Jones on the inside and sort of as that three tech who can also play nose if need be. But Zach Allen has just been a terror in the interior defensive line lately. And he's just unblockable. Like I did not think coming into the season that he would be as good of a player as he is. And this is a guy who has been with Vance Joseph. He was with Vance Joseph in Arizona. So he's kind of learning this new coaching style from Joseph. And in the beginning of the year, he started off slow, right, as that entire defense did. But as the season's going on, he's really turning into a a well-rounded player. Like, he's great against the run. He's great against the pass recently. He's been getting pressures. He's been getting hurries. He's just so well-rounded at this point in the season that it's great to see. Definitely Zach Allen. But another guy who's pretty underrated in my eyes is still DJ Jones. He had a little bit of a down game against Minnesota. Again, another well-rounded player. And this interior defensive line isn't lack, lacking talent as much as they are lacking depth. So DJ Jones and Zach Allen on that interior defensive line for sure. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Okay, switching offense. Russ is better, it seems. Obviously, you know, tied to Sean Payton. Walk, walk us through the experience with Russ this year coming off of the disaster that was last year. Now, I think it's pretty obvious to say Hackett played a pretty large hand in that. We're watching it play itself out in New York still. Right. But, but, you know, is there, are there elements of Russ that have changed? Like talk to me why he's having a better year. You're going to get a different answer no matter who you talk to, because people are having two completely different conversations when it comes to Russell Wilson, they're having the, is he playing well conversation and the, is it worth the contract situation? And in my opinion, although it should be looked at through the lens of the contract, when you look at it through that lens, it sort of skews your viewing because you're looking at a guy who has to be perfect every game to warrant that massive contract he's gotten. But to your point, yes, he was horrendous last season, looked completely washed. And this season, in my opinion, he's playing really good football. Like, again, not what you would want out of the contract he's getting, but he is playing at an above average, if not top 10 level in the NFL this year. And Sean Payton has done a really good job of just building an offense that fits what he is good and isn't good at. So Sean Payton obviously is a heavy, quick game, West Coast type of guy. And we've seen that with Drew Brees, even with a little bit with Winston, even though there was a little bit more downfield attacking with that style of offense. But we're seeing this year with the Broncos, it's really interesting because they've completely scrapped that. Like they are not doing any quick game, any one to three step drops at all. They're 30th in shotgun dropbacks, period. And they're ninth in under center dropbacks. So he's kind of reduced the playbook a little bit, but not in a way where you're or handicapping your offense. It's just he's building what is good for his quarterback. And it's been a diverse run game as well. And it's just been a very complimentary type of offense for Russ. Okay, so, you know, kind of looking at things, what the numbers tell us, what are, what are they able to do? To, this is a rudimentary question, Robbie, but how are they finding collective success, right? They're not blowing things away. They've been over 30 points twice, you know, 19, 24, 24, 21 recently. Seems like if you watch the mainstream stuff, it's Cortland Sutton making freak of nature catches in the end zone. Uh, very unlikely catches that he's coming down with. But if they're having success, like how are they doing it? What's the formula for this offense? And then how do you expect them to attack a Browns defense, which is and even down Denzel Ward, 
is really unique this year and really giving people a ton of problems. So looking at this offense, they're an offense that finally the Denver Broncos in the past eight years, they have an identity. And this offensive identity is just straight under center downhill running. They have some of those zone elements, you know, you're going to have to incorporate some of those if you're going to get into the boot action stuff, but their bread and butter at this point is just gap scheme, get a guy in space, get powers or get McGlinchey in space, get Javante behind them and just straight downhill. And it was actually interesting because against Minnesota, although they are not in the top half of the league in shotgun dropbacks, they were exclusively almost in drop uh, shotgun dropbacks against Minnesota to try and offset the Minnesota pressure. So as far as where they can attack the Browns, my immediate immediate gut reaction was just, you know, get into those under center gap scheme runs because the wide nine, right? And the one game I really looked to see what this defense does well is I wanted to look at that Shanahan-San Francisco game to see where that defense really just made it a pain for Shanahan on the ground. And early, I thought that Shanahan found some success with his gap scheme, and I thought he should have stuck with it a little bit more, but obviously they're a zone-heavy team. So I think they they can attack the Browns with a lot of gap scheme. And I think Russ can do a very good job at handling the pressure looks and all of the different things that can be thrown at him because Peyton is giving him a ton of information when he gets to that snap. Like, it seems like every single play against the Vikings, he was checking out of things and he was killing one play against one look. And he's just been so well this season. It completely shocked me because I never thought Russell Wilson would be the type of guy to win pre-snap. But this point in the season, he is that type of guy. So I think they can attack the Browns in that gap scheme, sort of under center play action type of offense. So what's giving Russ problems when things are stalling out? Is it is it a pressure? I mean, pressure will slow down anybody, but but when they're struggling, is it is it he's off or they're not protecting him up front? They can't run the ball. Like, what's that formula look like? It's mostly just, you know, classic Russell Wilson. And I don't want to say it to knock him, but he's going to be a guy who is going to take some really, really bad sacks. And he's going to take, you know, a long time to get these one to three step drop reads. And he's just going to clutch and just hesitate a lot. And that has really been what has kind of been a roadblock in their offensive identity. Because again, they've had to completely scrap their complete drop back offense, their drop back passing game, their three to five step drop stuff, because Russ just is not good at that or is not comfortable enough with that. So when you limit yourself to the under center running and the under center play action and the outside the numbers throws, when things go wrong, you don't necessarily have a thing to fall back on. So they've tried to do it with the run game, but when that doesn't work and when Russ is hesitant in the pocket and he's not really reading things out, and he's, you know, reading one, that's not there, scrambling, that's where they can sort of start to trip over their own feet there. And that's where the mistakes start to come in, and that's where the defense has to bail them out. Do you expect the Browns to give them fits, or do you think they'll have a good game plan to handle what Cleveland does well? A lot of man. Now, last week they went more zone than man. They've kind of been fluctuating, giving some tendency breakers, but they're not going to be as stellar in the secondary as they've been. Obviously, when you're down, Denzel doesn't help anything, but up front, they're just they're really tough. So I'm curious how you feel about it going into it. I mean, listen, this defense has been just amazing. Just and that might be cutting them short a little bit. Like they've been great this season. And Schwartz is just such a great defensive play caller, one of my favorite of all time. So I think they're definitely going to give Denver fits no matter what. But I think with Sean Payton seeing how well Russ handled the exclusive drop back offense against Minnesota and against those pressure looks, and he got to more quick game, I believe against pressure, he was like an 80% uh, passer against Minnesota, against pressure. So seeing that, I hope Sean Payton can start to incorporate more of the drop back stuff to see Russ like, okay, he's getting to the line, he's sorting things out, he's 
killing things where he needs to. Let's start to trust him a little bit more with the dropback stuff to give him another answer and another quick hot read against pressure. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of that, and we're going to see the same kind of tendencies that we saw against the Minnesota game where they were the set, they had the seventh most shot back, uh, shotgun dropbacks in the league, and this is a team that is 30th overall in shotgun dropbacks. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of that to kind of offset the pressure and offset Miles Garrett to whatever degree you can because that guy's a freak. But I also think we're going to see more of the gap scheme. It's going to be an ugly, just gritted out type of game regardless. But I think Sean Payton has a good plan in, in mind. Yeah, so what's your vibe? You've given us everything. You've talked offensively about the important cogs of that machine and how they're finding success. Give me give me your vibe on the game this weekend. Do you think the Broncos find a way to get this done, or are you thinking this is just a coin flip and it could go either way? I really think this this is a coin flip. I uh like I'm completely scarred from this team. I don't care. They've gone on a four game winning streak beating the Bills and the Chiefs, and I still am not just outright confident in them. I it it'll be really tough. This is without a doubt their toughest game of the season and that's in the same season that they played the Chiefs and the Bills all in like a five week span. So I think it's gonna be a real ugly, you know, win it in the fourth quarter type of game. But ultimately I think they fall short against that defense. Well Robbie, we appreciate your insights, man. It should be a really fun game. I think both teams are you know, at the point in the year where they know who they are, they know their identity, and they're going to be bashing up against each other. I don't expect it to tilt heavily in the favor of either one of these squads. I think it's going to be old school Browns Broncos, circa 1980s, right when it when it was a real slobber knocker type of contest, man. So I, I hope it's a good one. I know that our listeners appreciate your insights prepping us for this, both schematically, personnel, and just your general feel of the game. So thanks again, man, and again, we appreciate it. Of course, thank you so much for having me. It was a great time. That's a wrap for this episode. For myself, for Brad, we thank you for being here, sticking around, joining the OBR for this one. And continue to check out the OBR for all your content tomorrow leading up to the game and actives, thoughts around the game, and then obviously post-game write-ups for multiple different people in a post-game show as well. So thanks for checking in today, guys. Uh, Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the 1 o'clock slate, which is actually pretty ugly. It's not many great games on that 1 o'clock slate. So hopefully you found your way to this podcast as a means of entertainment. And we appreciate you for spending some time with us in um in in any capacity listening to our show so thank you for that and we close with our usual go browns Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.